If you'd like to follow along in your Bible as I read today's passage, it's from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Let us hear God's word together. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, Amen. Have you ever been stuck in an airport? Maybe bad weather, delays. Many of us have. If you haven't, I imagine you've been stuck in a train station or in a traffic jam, or even if you're waiting for your bus for school and there's a delay. We've all been stuck at some point in our lives. Going through 2020, in a quarantine under the COVID pandemic feels like being stuck in an airport for a really long time. Hoping for a flight only to find that it has been canceled and rescheduled and then canceled again. Lather, rinse, repeat. Randy Juan Mueller knows this full well. He is a Ghanaian football player soccer to many of us, who slept in an airport in India for over two months during the country's coronavirus lockdown. 
Randy first flew to India in November of 2019, about a year ago from this month, for a six-month contract to play soccer for Kerala, South India. As the coronavirus pandemic spread, he booked a flight home to Ghana, Africa for March the 30th. After getting into the airport, three days later, the Indian Prime Minister announced a 21-day nationwide lockdown. All international flight arrivals and departures canceled. Can you imagine? Mueller decided to sleep in the departing gate of Mumbai's international airport until all flights resumed. But the lockdown continued to be extended. People in the airport were very helpful. They gave food to him, and one employee at the airport even helped get him a new phone when his phone had broken. Mueller even called the Ghanaian consulate in Mumbai, India, to see if they could help, and there was little that they could do. He was in the airport a total of 74 days. He, he says, quote, I never got worried because I knew one day I'd get home. I tried to stay strong and motivated. There are things in life, he said, that you can't change. Mueller's experience is not much different from thousands and thousands of others. We're just stuck in different places and in different situations. Stay-at-home orders, no restaurants, no gatherings of certain size, no church, no sports, no school. Many have lost loved ones. Stuck in the silent pain of a strange grief, many spent Thanksgiving either alone and away from their family or over a Zoom session watching each other around the table or doing recipes together. Christmas may be for more of the same. Like Mueller, we've all lost something. Something has been taken from us or delayed. Our grief is like, or is compounded like a cake with emotional icing between the layers. If only the door would open and our friends and family would come bursting through. Sure, Zoom and FaceTime and Google Meets and Teams are nice ways to see each other, but how we have missed touching a face or getting a big old bear hug, laughing and crying together without the limitations of a face mask. We've all lost something and we want it back. We feel stuck. We long for things to be like they used to be, looking for a miracle. I think this is what the prophet in our passage was feeling when he authored this prayer that we've just heard in Isaiah chapter 64. The God who once seemed powerful now seemed powerless. The God who once seemed near was now nowhere to be found. So the prophet did what most of us would do in times like that. He prayed. This is what he said. Listen again. Oh, that you would rend the heavens or tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you 
as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known even to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. In other words, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Come and make yourself known is the prayer of Israel. It is the emotional, psychological, and spiritual context of this passage in Isaiah. The glory of Israel had long faded. Hundreds of years earlier, the northern kingdom had disappeared. And now the memory of life in Judah, also known as Yehud, and temple worship were a faint memory. Carried into captivity, the ancient Hebrews have been exiles in a foreign land. Their recent history, when still in their homeland, had been scandalous. They had neglected their religious observance. They had lived in open rebellion to God. Their rulers had set up false idols and corruption. They disregarded the poor and disenfranchised. They refused to listen to the prophets. It was a long time since they had experienced the prosperity and blessings that God had given them long ago. God, for years now, had felt far away as God had left the building. Verse 7b says, For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. I've felt like this before. I'm sure many of you have felt the same. In captivity at this time under the Persians, the Hebrews recalled the stories of their past. They remembered how God had intervened on their behalf before. They longed to know the presence of God. And so the prophet opens today's Advent reading with these anguished words, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and just come down. This Advent season, we join with a wilderness call to the God who has come. We feel like God has left us for sure. But I want to remind us that even though we might feel that way, God is as close as God has ever been. This is what we call hope. God loves to visit us. From the very beginning, God has demonstrated this to us. God visited Abraham in the guise of angels who sat down for a meal. God visited Jacob wrestling with him in the night. God visited Moses in a burning bush on Mount Sinai. God's presence was with the Israelites through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God visited Samuel as a boy and called him as a prophet in the sleeping hours of the night. God visited Elijah in a still, small voice. A gentle whisper. The prophet cries, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The prophet knows from past experience that it is God's nature to visit with God's people. In verse 3, he prays, For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. The prophet says, in effect, God, 
You used to visit a lot. What gives? Why aren't you coming around anymore? Please, please come for a visit soon. God, please visit us again. Do it again. Reminds me of when our daughter, who is now 16, was a little girl. And I used to pick her up and throw her up into the air and then catch her, throw her up in the air and catch her. And she would say, do it again, Daddy. Do it again. Or when we were in the pool, we used to belong to a neighborhood pool in the community we lived before where we live now. And when she was little, we would be in the pool and I would pick her up and I would heave her as far as I could and she would fly through the air and make a big splash in the water and she would come up and she would say, do it again, Daddy, do it again. And I would do it over and over again until we were worn out. This is the cry of the prophet. God, visit us. Do it again. Do it again. God, would you let the mountains tremble with volcanoes? Would you let the earth quake and break the Richter scale? Would you make yourself known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you? Oh God, become awesome again. Do it again. This passage is attributed to the time period when some of the Hebrews returned from Babylonian exile. The Persians have defeated the Babylonians. King Darius has given permission for the Israelite captives to return to their land. This prefigures the deliverance and greater salvation from sin through Jesus Christ, whom Isaiah would refer to as a suffering servant. Darius grants them religious freedom, all the while preparing for his next military campaign to Egypt. This part of Isaiah is part of a larger section of chapters, 56 to 66, which Hebrew scholars call 3rd Isaiah. The historical setting of our time is about 500 years or so before the birth of Jesus Christ. Second temple time, Zerubbabel's temple. The Hebrews have returned, but their homeland is in turmoil. They need the Lord to visit them. The temple needs to be rebuilt. The walls need to be reconstructed for the safety of the people and for the holy city of Jerusalem. But will God visit again? They lament. Yes. God would visit yet again. Though 2020 is a year most of us would like to forget, we know the rest of the story. We know there's going to be a reopening. We know that God is coming for a visit. We sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and we might sing, God make a home in us. And he does, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yes, the heavens were indeed torn open. The apostle describes that in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What kind of visit will it be? How will we receive him? How do we receive him now? For we are still a people in a strange land, exiles in a land of wilderness. We feel stuck as if we are in the gate of an airport with continual delays during a pandemic of global proportions. Yes, God, we too would like a visit. And this is precisely the hope of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase, he writes it like this, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God is with us through the shelter in place and stay-at-home orders. God is transformed throughout quarantine. He is with us, transforming us. God is with us during social distancing. God continues to come close. God loves to visit. It's God's nature. And if you really think about it, God never leaves. God is always with us. Even though we sin and miss the mark that God has set for us, God still loves. Isaiah writes in verse 6, All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. Paul echoes this in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Through God's grace, you and I can sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, mold and shape us into one of your own. The prophet proclaims that God meets us right where we are and that God will shape us into the people he wants us to be. God works with us again and again like potter reworks clay until we become the people God desires us to be. We are all the work of God's hand and are confident that God will forgive us and reshape us anytime we ask. Verses 8 and 9. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. The hymn writer puts it this way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. 
this beautiful hymn that we have sung on this first Sunday of Advent was originally in Latin. It takes us back over 1,200 years to monastic life in the 8th and 9th century. Seven days before Christmas, monasteries would sing the O Antiphons in anticipation of Christmas Eve. The Latin metrical form of the hymn was composed as early as the 12th century. And if you look in your hymnal when you're back in church, you'll note that John Mason Neal, who lived in the 1800s, discovered this hymn in the appendix of an early 18th century manuscript. And it had a refrain. He was a translator of Greek and Latin, and he included it in a famous hymn selection that he published in 1851. A British hymnologist named J.R. Watson provides the context for the antiphons, which are called the O antiphons. They were designated to concentrate the mind on the coming Christmas, enriching the meaning of the incarnation with a complex series of references from the Old and New Testaments. Each antiphon begins as follows. O Sepentia, wisdom. O Adonai, the Hebrew word for, for God. O Radix Jesse, root of Jesse. O Clavis David, key of David. O Oriens, Day spring, O Rex Genitium, King of the Gentiles, and O Emmanuel, God with us. Put together the first letter of the second word, and each antiphon spells the word Sarkor. You can hopefully see it there on your screen S A R C O R E, Sarkor. If read backwards, the letters of Sarkor form a Latin acrostic, Aerocras, E-R-O-C-R-A-S, Aerocras, and the words Aerocras mean, I will be present tomorrow. I will be present tomorrow. When we call on God, oh, come, tear open the heavens and come down, we have this promise of hope. I am with you today, and oh, I will be present tomorrow. For us, sisters and brothers, this is our hope. That God who was with the Israelites in the past and who redeemed them and brought them out of exile, the God who is with us today as Christians, we understand God is with us today, and this is the promise that he is present with us yet even tomorrow. This is our hope. Frederick Buechner says, and I quote, Jesus is apt to come into the very midst of life at its most real and inescapable, not in a blaze of unearthly light, not in the midst of a sermon, not in the throes of some kind of religious daydream, but at supper time, or walking along the road. He never approached from on high, but always 
in the midst. In the midst of people, in the midst of real life, and the questions that real life asks. O come, King of nations, bind in one heart's all mankind. Bid all our sad divisions cease and be yourself our King of peace. Amen. Let us pray. O oh God, our help in ages past, we seek you today, and we are thankful that we don't have to look far at all to find you, because you're within us, around us. You go before and behind us, just, you, just as you did with the ancients. You do that today, and you promise that you will tomorrow. No matter what we face, no matter what questions we have or longings our heart brings, you are with us. May this hope sustain us and encourage us and help us as we journey through this Advent season. We thank you that you have promised us that you will be present tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.